AM and Express 106.5 FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Lisa Taylor. Israeli forces are pushing further into Gaza as key international diplomats continue to call for humanitarian pauses in the fighting. While in Tokyo today, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken reiterated the U.S. opposes Israel reoccupying Gaza once the war ends. His comments came after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel will have overall security responsibility over Gaza after the war is over. Ivanka Trump is on the stand in her father's New York civil fraud trial. Her testimony comes after former President Trump testified earlier this week, repeatedly sparring with the judge. New York's Democratic Attorney General is accusing Trump of inflating his net worth so the Trump Organization could obtain more favorable loans. The third GOP presidential debate takes place tonight in Miami. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, Ohio entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott will face off on the stage. Former President Trump is skipping the debate. Another election day is in the books. One of the most closely watched states on Tuesday was Ohio, where voters came out in favor of enshrining abortion protections in the state's constitution and legalizing recreational marijuana. The three national zoo giant pandas are headed back to China. Michael Kastner has more. In 1972, then-First Lady Pat Nixon welcomed the pandas. Here at the National Zoo, they will be enjoyed by the millions of people who come from across the country to visit the nation's capital each year. And they were. Today marks the end of more than five decades of pandas calling the Washington, D.C. Zoo their home. Zoo Atlanta will now be the only zoo in the country to feature Chinese pandas, and they may be gone soon, too. Atlanta's contract for their forebears is up next year, and there hasn't been any word about an extension. China first gave the two giant pandas to the U.S. as a symbol of diplomacy after President Nixon visited that country. You're listening to the latest on NBC News Radio. It's that time of year again. No, not the holidays. Medicare open enrollment. And if you have questions about Medicare, you should talk to the local experts. Paul Barrage and Associates. Paul and his agents are certified with plans that are accepted by most of the medical groups in our area. Call 909-793-0385. Their service is free, and after 42 years in the business, their agents are trained to help you pick the plan that's right for you. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T and then the word club. The complete website is TeheboTeaClub.com or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-610-8088, TeheboTeaClub.com. Hi, I'm food critic Alan Morgan, and I'm excited to tell you about Ray's Shanghai Bistro, located next to Redlands DMV on Lagonia in Redlands. Ray's Shanghai Bistro offers the largest and most delicious array of traditional and original Chinese dishes available in the Inland Empire. Some of my favorite dishes are the house-made potstickers, the crisp pork spare ribs with garlic, their unique spicy lamb with bamboo, the sweet and tangy deep-fried orange peel beef, mm-mm, and the savory basil spicy shrimp, plus lots of vegetarian dishes. Whether you dine in, pick up the food, or have them cater your next party or special occasions, you will see why Ray spelled R-U-I apostrophe S, Shanghai Bistro, is truly the best Chinese restaurant in the Inland Empire. Their website is raisshanghaibistro.net. That's raisshanghaibistro.net. R-U-I-S, shanghaibistro.net. Happy eating. You won't be disappointed. 
Are you underpaid and overworked? Is a living wage and employee benefits like affordable health care more of a dream than a reality for you and your family? If so, it's time to form a union. Don't be denied the wages and benefits you deserve. Come together in a union with the power of numbers. A union is not a privilege, it's your right, and it will make a difference. Contact Teamsters Local 1932, a powerful and successful labor union in San Bernardino by visiting teamsters1932.org backslash organize to start today. One of the best ways to build a healthier local economy is by shopping locally. Teamster Advantage is a shop local program started by Teamster Local 1932 that has brought together hundreds of locally owned businesses to provide discounts for residents who make shopping locally their priority. Everything from restaurants like Corky's to fun times at SB Raceway and much, much more. If you're not currently a Teamster and you want access to these local business discounts, contact Jennifer at 909-889-8377, extension 224. Give her a call. That number again is 909-889-8377, extension 224. KCAA. Welcome to Teamster Roundup with Randy Corgan, a brand new show about labor and worker issues. The host of the show is Randy Corgan, Secretary, Treasurer, and Principal Office and Leader of Teamsters 1932, one of the largest public sector labor unions on the West Coast, representing workers in government and non-sworn law enforcement personnel. Randy Corgan is a 30-year Teamster who first became involved in the labor movement by volunteering his time as an organizer with the Teamsters Union at the age of 21. Since then, he's helped thousands organize, mobilize, and achieve bargaining rights. He accomplished this by spending countless hours with brave men and women all over Southern California, in their living rooms, on the picket line, to bring workers towards victory. And now here's the host of the show, Randy Corrigan. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is Randy Corrigan here, longtime organizer, first-time radio host. i got to humble myself here for a minute. And uh, make sure everybody recognizes the fact that uh, yeah, I may stumble a little bit here. <laughs> and if I do, please forgive me a bit. Uh, this is uh, my first day on the job. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited about uh, what we got coming here, uh, what we're going to be doing, the things that we're going to talk, uh, things that we're going to be talking about. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, longtime organizer. Uh, I've been working with working people for uh, more than 30 years now. And I'm looking forward to using this platform as a positive way uh, for us to communicate with workers. Uh, if you're out there listening right now, uh, you're probably working hard uh, every single day trying to support your family, uh, trying to make sure that uh, your kids uh, graduate from high school, ultimately may go to college or find a job afterwards. And uh, then you want to just you know, provide for that family and get to retirement at some point. I know a lot of workers in today's day are struggling with that. Uh, because of a lot of factors, and we're going to talk about those factors. We're also going to talk about what you can do about it, uh, as well as uh, share some you know, current news and events and situations that workers just like you are, uh, how they resolve issues through worker power. Uh, first, I'd like to spend a little bit of time uh, introducing myself uh, so you can get to know me, in addition to describing uh, Teamsters Local 1932 and the Teamsters Union as a whole. And what we're going to do over the next uh, few months is we're going to slowly walk through uh, what a union is. And we're going to walk through uh, union workers and what they do and explain uh, what they do every single day and how they contribute to the community. Uh, as well as what worker power is and how workers can achieve something better on the job. Uh, we'll, we're going to talk about you know, how laws have been passed, uh, how regulatory factors protecting workers have passed, uh, you know, it, issues around your rights on the job, and most importantly, we're going to consistently kind of agitate you into a space of making sure uh, that your, your boss respects you, that the employer respects you every day at work uh, and that you're getting a fair shake uh, for the work that you do, uh, for the amount of, of time you put in, for the amount of all the years that you dedicate uh, towards that uh, end goal, which is providing for your family and making sure that there's a, a balanced approach. And so 
Teamsters Local 1932 in San Bernardino. Uh, I am the principal officer, secretary, treasurer of that local union of 14,000 members. Uh, we represent uh, county employees uh, throughout San Bernardino County. We represent more than 20 cities in the region as well. A number of the jobs in which workers are doing uh, in that area, uh, excuse me, working for those uh, municipalities. We also uh, represent uh, workers that are truck drivers and warehouse uh, men and women. Uh, we, the good thing about the Teamsters Union, the more than one million workers we represent uh, from coast to coast, we represent every classification of worker. Uh, every, the, the old saying is we represent everything from airline pilots to zookeepers. Uh, and a couple, what we're going to do at the beginning of uh, each show is I'm going to talk about just a couple classifications every single show of workers that are Teamsters that you probably either don't realize uh, or you can maybe recognize them in the future when you see them. Uh, the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to uh, explain the, the function of the Teamsters and the labor movement and other unions uh, so, that, so that those that listen can become more familiar with unions uh, and clearly if more workers organize, if more workers build unions in their workplace, uh, the stronger an economy is and the better a community is as a result of that. Uh, and we're going to do this in segments uh, uh, over the hour. The first part, we're going to do our introduction uh, every single uh, show, and then we're going to get into having a conversation about workers and organizing, and, and if they're having trouble on the job, what do they do about it, as well as what our civic responsibility is, and then, and then connecting the dots between current actions. Uh, like today, I'll talk about the UAW uh, strike that a lot of people are paying attention to, SAG-AFTRA, uh, a lot of the Hollywood uh, uh, labor disputes that you're seeing, in addition to the UPS victory uh, that was just recently had, uh, just a couple months back, uh, Starbucks, Amazon workers who were uh, engaged in labor disputes. And then the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to talk about a plan to win. In other words, what's your plan to win on the job? And what is it that worker power uh, how can you embrace worker power on a large scale, what it means on a small scale, and then we're going to leave every, every show with a task, and we're going to ask you a question or we're going to ask you something that you can do uh, so that you're able to help build worker power uh, in your particular area. And so with that, let's talk about uh, Teamsters Local 1932. Uh, it was formed in, in 2015. Uh, 14,000 workers uh, around the, the county of San Bernardino uh, came together to form their union, uh, which is now chartered as Teamsters Local 1932. In addition, there were workers from a number of cities and agencies, uh, all public sector. Uh, since the formation of 2015, uh, many more workers have organized in areas of like cannabis, uh, as well as warehousing and distribution and other types of operations in the private sector. Uh, they are now part of the Teamsters Local 1932 family. Um, some of those areas of jobs that we represent I think it's always great to point out are dispatchers. Many times when someone calls 911, they're actually talking to a Teamster. Uh, and we represent te uh, Teamster dispatchers all throughout San Bernardino County and some in Riverside County as well. Uh, we also represent Public Works members. Uh, the reason I bring them up is I've had a lot of questions about what happened during the the great snow in that happened uh, this last winter. Uh, if I know Frank, you were affected by that, right? And uh, you know, it, how did that happen? How did the snow get moved out of the way? How did how did food get up there? How did how did groceries get delivered? How did did water and, and, and soda and all the uh, supplies get delivered? Well, it, those are public works uh, employees that are Teamsters that made sure that that first road was cleared and then the truck drivers came up to make sure those deliveries happened. And you know, the one thing I like to say about public works employees is they get beat up pretty bad. All oh, these potholes. Everybody always complains about the potholes that they hit. The one thing that nobody ever 
compliments or appreciates is all the potholes that they fix, uh, all the roads that they fixed, all all the situations in which uh, we're traveling on every single day around either the county or the city or any area uh, in which we're driving. A lot of times those public works employees are making sure that the the signals are working correctly. They're making sure that the streets are paved. They're making sure that the potholes are fixed. Uh, and so for every pothole you hit, just remember there's hundreds of them that were actually repaired. Uh, and you may only want to complain about the ones that you hit, but please remember it's likely a Teamster actually fixed that pothole before, uh, or, you know, when, before you hit it and made sure that uh, you didn't damage your vehicle. And then my favorite uh, is always the friendly UPS uh, member. Uh, those are Teamsters all over the country. They're not members of Teamsters 1932, but it's a, it's a brand that's well recognized and your UPS driver that many of you know that listen to this, uh, that female or male, he, is, he or she is actually a Teamster. Uh, they're a proud Teamster uh, and uh, they have been Teamsters for more than 100 years. Uh, actually, uh, they go back uh, one of our longest standing contracts in the Teamsters Union. And those just those simple classifications join the more than uh, one million other Teamsters across the country. And so the question is, what is a union for those of you that are listening in and aren't sure what a union is? Well, a union has got a broad definition, uh, but really it should be broken down very simply in this way. A union is comprised upon a of workers that have come together to to ask for a change and or a a difference in their workplace with their wages, hours, and working conditions and making sure that they're getting a fair shake in that exchange. And so it's very simply a number of workers coming together collectively to ask for changes in a particular uh, with a particular employer to make sure that they're getting a fair shake when it comes to their hours, their benefits, their working conditions, their safety on the job, and most importantly, that it gets memorialized in writing. And so they're, you're not officially a union until you have it in writing. And I think it's important for us to recognize the fact that unions aren't the buildings that you may see on the corner of 4th and Sierra Way like Teamsters 1932 is. That's just a building. That's the administrative ac aspect. Unions are comprised of the workers, the people that do the job every single day, that dispatcher, that UPS driver, that, that public works individual who is making sure that your road is safe every single day. We know we have a tendency to forget when we turn on our water. How did the water get there? Uh, we, we flush the toilet or we go to take a shower in the morning. We take that for granted. Uh, it's probably, a, most likely it's a union member that definitely made sure it got delivered. And if you're in the Inland Empire, specifically in San Bernardino County, it's more likely a Teamster that helped make sure that you were able to take a shower this morning and or make sure that uh, when you had to do your business and flush the toilet that you didn't have to go to an outhouse uh, like we did uh, for a very long period of time of human history. And so we try not to take that. We have to try not to take that for granted, and we should always appreciate uh, those that workforce because that's what comprises a union. A union is the face of these workers. A union is, is not me. Uh, I happen to be fortunate enough to be elected to a position where I lead the organization, uh, but the union really is the workers in which we represent, uh, the thousands of them that are having to make sure that this community and or the goods movement services moving every single day, surviving, operating, and the community has what it needs to go from day to day. And so with that, I'd like to move on uh, to a, the next part of our conversation, which is recent events. Um, I think it's important for us to recognize the victory at UAW. Uh, it's also important to recognize the victory at UPS and the victory uh, in Hollywood. I know all the stuff in Hollywood is not resolved yet. Uh, it's continuing to work into that direction. But the power of workers coming together and having the ability to withhold their labor is obviously shown in these examples. And a lot of people want to define unions through strikes. Uh, that is not true. Uh, you can't simply define unions through only strikes because strikes are pretty rare. Uh, they happen very, very infrequently uh, in time. And 
over the course of time and over the course of a collective bargaining agreement. However, when they do happen, they're very impactful. Uh, and it's very important that the, the workers that are deciding to go on strike, which are in a union, they have collectively decided to withhold their labor because the employer is not respecting whatever the changes that they request and or not giving them a fair enough a piece of the pie, not giving them a fair shake. And so how does this relate? Uh, I, I, I use the UAW as an example uh, and the UPS strike, or excuse me, the UPS contract as an example because unfortunately UAW had to go on strike. They had to actually walk off the job in September where UPS was ready to go on strike and then the employer resolved. Uh, really, obviously the same track in a sense that the workers at UPS were ready to go on strike and had prepared themselves to walk off the job in uh, mass uh, on August 1st if the employer hadn't come around. But by the time they got to about September 25th, the employer realized, you know what, we should probably come to some sort of comparable terms or, or uh, a consensus on what would be best for both parties going forward. And they were able to avoid it. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen with the auto makers, and UAW was forced to go on the street, and the workers were forced to go on the street. And uh, many of you see that, that they were able to gain, uh, have tremendous gains in their contract as a result of that labor dispute. And uh, again, it doesn't define what happens all the time. As a matter of fact, 99.9% .9 of the time, the issues in bargaining are resolved without a labor dispute, without a strike. There are lots of other ways to resolve the issue, but it's important to remind everybody that we should always respect uh, another person's protest. Quite frankly, this country was formed on a protest, and we have to recognize not only our history, but we have to recognize when somebody else is, is protesting uh, that if we respect their protest, we don't necessarily have to agree with it, but if we respect it, that means someday when we have our collective protest, they will respect ours. And so that's what happened at UAW. And as a result, they gained significantly in wages, uh, anywhere from 20 to 27%, depending on how you look at it from a couple different directions. Uh, they were able to restore uh, some things that were taken away during the Great uh, Recession in 2008, 9, 10, and 11. And uh, it's good to see that they were able to, to make up for some lost ground in there. Uh, they had a lot of demands. Uh, they wanted a 40% increase. Uh, clearly, you know, they didn't end up settling on that. Uh, but they obviously ended up settling on uh, what was what appeared to be fair uh, between the parties. Uh, in addition, you know, uh, they, they were able to fix issues uh, with their two-tier pay system. Uh, they were able to deal with situations where individuals were being hired and they were making less money uh, than those that had been on the job for a long time. Corporations are famous for doing this. They, they want to what we call sell out the unborn. They want to say, well, you know, we'll keep your pay all good, uh, but you know, let's pay everybody else coming in at a different rate. Uh, and so they were able to fix that. There were a lot of other things uh, that they uh, wanted to get fixed that uh, they weren't able to uh, yet. Uh, but guess what? They got negotiations again in a few years, <laughs> and they'll have the ability to exercise their worker power and they'll be able to chip away at those items as well. And so you get into Hollywood uh, where you have the writers that were on strike for a very long time. They've settled their issue, and now you have the actors uh, that seem to be close to resolution. Uh, but you, in a sense, you have all of Hollywood kind of shutting down, respecting each other. You have uh, the drivers, and you have uh, your actors, and you have your other writers. You have a lot of people uh, that may be impacted by each of those strikes that are respecting one another's picket line because they want to respect the other person's protest uh, to make sure that they, they're not undermined by giant corporations. Just like any other industry, the Hollywood situation has been infiltrated by these big corporations, these big conglomerates that own almost everything under the sun. And, uh, you know, there used to be a day and time when uh, in the media there was a responsibility where you, there was actually rules or regulations that prevented 
the uh, ownership of a certain amount of radio and a certain amount of uh, media outlets and a certain amount of newspapers. Uh, that was tore down in the 1970s and 80s, and it's been chipped away and obviously abandoned. And now your media has got a completely different look to it. Uh, and I think most people complain about it as much as they complain about Congress. Uh, but the reality is that started because Congress passed a law that allowed that to happen, and now corporations have control like they never did before. And what they want to do is take money out of the system, put it in their pocket. And that's why you have these strikes erupting in Hollywood is because they are trying to take more out of those actors pockets. And it's not talking the big actors, you know, the, the, the really famous ones that are, are going to get their money. It's all the others that you see that are having to do all the work. And when you at the end of a movie and you see all those names in the credits, you know, those are all union workers that work really hard to provide for their families. And when you're trying to take away from them, it's important for everybody to stand up and say, hey, uh, you know, we're going to stand together. We're going to work together and we're going to prevent you from taking it out of my pocket and putting it in some wealthy person's pocket. And so the other thing. Uh, so how does that connect to you today? If you're listening and you're working in one of these thousands of warehouses in the Inland Empire uh, out there. You've got to, you know, kind of look at these current events and say, oh, man, I wish I could get a 28% increase or a 20% or a 15 or uh, I wish I could argue to have a change uh, in my workplace when it comes to uh, how people are hired on and, and when they're hiring, you know, are, are they at a lower tier and what are my benefits? And the one thing that I have seen uh, that I'm very encouraged with uh, in my more than 30 years of doing this is a a sense of workers now trying to look towards retirement and understand not only their health care uh, and 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 how their family is protected under the under health care benefits but also the retirement vehicle what is my retirement vehicle going to be like how long am i going to have to do this job uh, how old am i going to be when i retire clearly corporations have gutted retirement vehicles uh, and it's because unions uh, have been attacked, uh, unions have been villainized, and we have this constant erosion uh, in what we call union density. And as a result of that erosion, you end up with less people having good health care. You end up with less workers having a retirement plan. You end up with less workers having protections on the job. And it's it's a situation where clearly, even though unions are villainized, unions are the only thing that for the last more than 100 years have been trying to make sure that workers are protected on the job. And, you know, I don't see Congress. You know, I hear this all the time. Oh, there's pros and cons of, of unions. I read, uh, I read an article on MoneyWise the other day, and I laughed because the cons were the typical 70s stuff that, that is all completely outdated. Uh, but the pros were pretty clear in a sense that workers have the right to ask for more. Workers have the legal right to professionally sit down at the table, be represented, and get a fair shake. Uh, workers have the right to, to make a difference. Uh, and, uh, and workers are also more productive when they're in a, an environment, in a, in, a, in a union environment, because they, they understand that they feel, they understand and feel protected. Uh, they know that they're not having to work looking over their shoulder all the time. And so it's good to see. Uh, that that workers uh, actually more than seventy percent of workers today are are in support of unions. Uh, yet in the private sector, only six percent is. And why is that? There's process uh, issues there. Corporate America has won the battle legally and tried to prevent workers from organizing. Uh, but we're going to talk about how to break through that, and we're going to talk about how workers uh, can make a difference in that. In addition, uh, we're going to spend the next few months talking about civic responsibility and how this ties to the community, as well as how unions uh, and the community are connected and what a benefit uh, having a strong union in a particular area is to uh, the community itself and how those relationships come together. Uh, the other things that we're going to talk about is uh, how workers can organize. And I think that uh, as we have that, we like to call it the organizing conversation. Uh, we like to walk workers through what their rights are uh, and, quite frankly, how they build worker power. It's really important for us to explain that uh, kind of repetitively over time because 
corporations have tried to instill fear in workers, uh, try to make workers feel like building or, or forming a union is a futile process or whatever. If I don't like it, just go somewhere else. Um, you know, there used to be a day when corporations were proud to be the highest paid, the best benefits, and the best retirement vehicle. And they would, they would actually promote themselves and say, hey, come to work for us. You can spend your entire career with us, retire working with us, and retire in dignity. Uh, you and your family, you can send your kids to college. Uh, that's been lost. And so our show over the next few months is going to walk through a lot of this too. As well as I'm going to, uh, after the hour, I'm going to get you, or excuse me, after the break, after the half hour, I'm going to get you uh, to know me a little better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of description on my history, uh, talk to you very briefly about uh, how I got involved in the labor movement. Uh, I've got some pretty incredible stories. And, you know, the, vent, the, the journey of walking with workers through this process the last 30 years uh, has been so fun. Uh, being able to sit with a worker uh, and, and get them to be able to educate them through this process and then ultimately be part of this journey long enough to see them actually retire, you know, maybe in their 50s, uh, late 50s, mid 50s, early 60s, uh, in dignity and, and have a great retirement life uh, is just extremely rewarding. I think we're running close on time to take a break. Uh, where are we at, Frank? So should I just pull us into a break? You know, this is my first. All right, we're going to go to a break. Like I said, I'm a, a you know, long-time organizer, first-time radio host, so we're going to stumble through this. Let's take it to break. Are you underpaid and overworked? Is a living wage and employee benefits like affordable health care more of a dream than a reality for you and your family? If so, it's time to form a union. Don't be denied the wages and benefits you deserve. Come together in a union with the power of numbers. A union is not a privilege, it's your right, and it will make a difference. Contact Teamsters Local 1932, a powerful and successful labor union in San Bernardino by visiting Teamsters1932.org backslash organize to start today. You're listening to the Inland Talk Express, 1050 AM and 106.5 FM, KCAA Loma Linda. Located in the heart of San Bernardino, California, the Teamsters Local 1932 Training Center is designed to train workers for high-demand, good-paying jobs in various industries throughout the Inland Empire. If you want a pathway to a high-paying job and the respect that comes with a union contract, Visit 1932trainingcenter.org to enroll today. That's 1932trainingcenter.org. Labor unions built the middle class, and the middle class built America. That's the message from Teamsters Local 1932, a strong and successful labor union based in San Bernardino that represents over 14,000 hardworking people across the Inland Empire. The Teamsters are ready to help you organize for better pay, increased benefits, and improved working conditions. Reach out to Teamsters 1932 at Teamsters1932.org backslash organize to speak with an organizer today. You know, here we are. We're back. Uh, this is Randy Corgan with. Uh, we're gonna Teamster Roundtable, or actually, we're gonna we're gonna kick around some ideas for the show as far as what to. I kind of like the the title, the the Union Guy or Union Talk or something like that. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. This is our first show. Uh, Randy Corgan here. Uh, I'm a longtime organizer, first time radio host. So I'm gonna have a lot of fun uh, with this. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited about talking about. Uh, working people. I'm excited about talking about the successes and the victories of working people uh, and working uh, the work the working class because you know we don't we don't we don't get our stories told enough. Workers don't get their stories told enough. And uh, we're going to spend the next few months uh, on Wednesdays at two o'clock, uh, just starting to share those stories, educate the public on unions and how beneficial they are. Uh, you know, I'm a little biased. There's a, there's a good reason for it. Uh, and then uh, at this side of the of the break, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, myself. I'm going to just give everybody an introduction on you know why, how I've become 
uh, a labor advocate, uh, how I became involved. Uh, and it started when I was pretty young. Uh, actually, as uh, uh, when I was in my youth, uh, my brother and I, you know, we grew up in a, a pretty challenging situation and we had to really contribute to the house pretty fast. And we had paper routes, many of you may remember in the area, uh, the Sun Telegram or the Fontana Herald. Uh, my brother uh, had a dual route. I had a route uh, for the Sun, uh, which is an early morning, seven days a week, including holidays. We delivered every single day uh, for years. Uh, to earn money uh, to help provide in the household and then in the afternoon i think it was monday through friday we didn't throw on the weekends uh, for the fontana herald and uh, we we just learned that you got to work hard uh, you gotta you gotta try to do the best you can to contribute uh, in any way you can uh, and you also got to empathize while you're doing that too you can't just always feel like you're being shortchanged. and so then i get into my teens uh, i uh, happen to have a friend of mine whose mom uh, worked at a warehouse as a foreman, and we were uh, we were able to lump. And what that is, a lumper, m many people may not remember or know what that is. A lumper was a driver helper who would work for cash when the driver showed up to a dock to offload the product. So the product would come from probably a production facility or some sort of operation, uh, and and the driver picked it up. Many times it was what we called on the floor. It wasn't on a pallet. And so it was stacked high and tight. Uh, and so as if every inch, square inch, uh, was filled inside of that container or that trailer or whatever it may be. And the driver would look at that load and call ahead and, and notify the foreman when they're making the delivery and whether or not they wanted to do the work. Uh, and if the driver didn't want to do the work, they would actually hire a lumper. Uh, back then, the driver would do it themselves, hire the lumper. And then you'd make 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 100 bucks, uh, depending on the load, the type of load, uh, how heavy the product was. Uh, and then you just, you know, take you anywhere from two to six hours, depending on the, the type of operation. You get your cash and you take off. And most of that work was done in the middle of the night. And so we're able to do that uh, and go make sure we made it to school the next day. Uh, so I obviously got my got my teeth cut on warehouse stuff in my teens. And then at 18 years old, that very same uh, awesome lady uh, got me a job in that warehouse uh, at Stater Brothers Warehouse in Colton at the time. Uh, they're now in San Bernardino, but they were in Colton at the time. And doing that job in uh, as, a, as a warehouse person, uh, she was a foreman, uh, obviously got me and some other people on the list, and we ended up getting hired there uh, in 1990. And then I got involved, uh, uh, obviously, just doing my job, going to work every day. Uh, like many of you may be listening here, just throwing boxes, uh, trying to do the best I can to support my family. I uh, already had a couple kids by the time I was 19 years old, uh, so uh, it was really important for me to make sure that I was providing uh, for that family. Uh, and at that time, you know, in the 1990, uh, in, in 1987, 88, 89, 90, 91, uh, you come out of high school and you get a job, guess what? You could find a job at, at 15, 16, 17 bucks an hour, maybe, uh, and potentially more uh, once you got to top scale. I think top scale was about 18, 19 bucks at the time, uh, which was significantly higher. Uh, I mean, heck, there's some jobs, many of you may be listening, that your top scale isn't that high now. Uh, how is it that 30 years later? It's because I got a union job right out the gate. And I was lucky enough to get that union job, and I was lucky enough to fall into a position that literally thousands of other people had made sure that the way was paved for me. So that when I got that job, I didn't have to argue for health care benefits. They were automatic. When I got that job, I was already contributing to a pension plan that, uh, that I would be eligible to retire on when I was actually 49 years old. Um, and so I've clearly passed that now. <laughs> so <laughs> I keep that in context. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in my early, uh, I guess, early 20s there, I ran into some challenges at work. Um, and and the employer decided to uh, take some pretty tough positions. Uh, and then uh, my union stepped in uh, and, and made sure that the employer wasn't uh, being unreasonable. Uh, I will tell you, I'm not saying that Stater Brothers is an unreasonable employer. Uh, you know, every good company has bad managers from time to time. I uh, had some bad managers that did some things they shouldn't have done. Uh, and as a result, my union stepped in and made sure it was all balanced. And I just absolutely recognized right out the gate 
uh, oh boy, uh, if it wasn't for me having a union, uh, I still wouldn't have this great job. I still wouldn't have these great benefits uh, to provide for my family. Uh, and then fast forward uh, to me being 21, 22 years old, uh, those challenges turned me into turned the situation into me getting involved in my union uh, and and starting to just show up and help out. And I started helping workers organize. And man, what a fun space I found that to be. I found that to be a great opportunity for me to share my experiences as a union member, especially in my early twenties, with other union uh, excuse me with other workers, and then help them organize. And I have been an organizer in one way or another ever since. I went to work for the local union. Uh, this next year will be my 30th year. Uh, I've been involved in one way or another uh, for more than 30 years, but actually going to work for the union uh, at 21, 22 years old, uh, that will be next year. And what a journey. I've, I've, I've helped more than 30,000 workers go down that road and, and participate in that journey that are now dues-paying members uh, in the Teamsters, that now have collective bargaining agreements, that now have rights on the job that they didn't have before, that now have retirement plans, that now have re retiree medical that they didn't have before, that now have, you know, they can, they can provide for their family, move to a nicer neighborhood, buy a nicer home, uh, buy a nicer vehicle. One of the stories that I like to share the most is uh, a group of workers we organized about 20 years ago came up to me and said, Randy, uh, we had actually, they went from $9.89 an hour and first contract, we doubled it uh, to, it was 19, I think 35 or something. Uh, we actually more than doubled their rates in that first contract after they organized. Uh, they didn't have 100% paid healthcare. They ended up having 100% paid healthcare with a retirement vehicle. Those workers came up to me and said, Randy, man, you know, we're able to move to a nicer neighborhood. My, my wife doesn't have to work anymore. Uh, and an incredible uh, feeling when you have workers uh, that, are, that recognize that power and are able to walk down that, you know, walk through that space. Uh, and then, you know, I got, I got literally thousands of other stories, I can tell you. And so that's just one example of many of workers, you know, going down, uh, that road and taking on that journey and succeeding. And then then I've now done it long enough to where workers we've organized and, and we're able to bargain a, a retirement plan have now retired. Uh, and so when you get that worker come in and sit down and have a conversation with you that's now pulled the plug to retire and they've retired significantly early as a result of what's been bargained, uh, how can I not be excited about sharing these stories? How can I not be uh, sit here and want to get on a radio and broadcast at the top of my lungs uh, the, the power of, of worker power and the, the ability for workers to have control over their future uh, that many of them, most of them think that they don't have. And so that Obviously, I was an organizer. Uh, I was a, a director of organizing. I was a representative and negotiated first contracts, and then I'll fast forward through the rest of it. Uh, I, I then, uh, you know, started to to get into the administrative aspect of running the running the union, and uh, for the last uh, more than ten years, in one form or another, or position or another, I have been in charge a charge of running the day to day operations administratively. But I can tell you this: the one thing I miss. I, as a matter of fact, before I got here, I was running a little bit late. I was on a on a Zoom call with a few of our members uh, from ARMC from the hospital, and there was a issue that they had brought uh, to our forefront. And, and I was on a call with them and, and I could hear the passion in them on the issue that the challenge that we're trying to deal with. And that's the best part of this job. The best part of this job is, is talking to workers, helping workers. Uh, I, I, I get frustrated with the administrative aspect and sometimes, you know, I gotta, you have to deal with budgets and I got to deal with uh, all the other things that you have to deal with legally. Uh, I understand that that's a responsibility. We make sure we absolutely do that. But man, is it fun to actually be in the space with working people, to be sitting in someone's living room, have a conversation with them and fully understand the challenges they're having at work, and then seeing them, helping them go down the journey to where they make a difference, make a change, and get somewhere uh, to a better place where they now can hold their employer accountable to have it in writing and they know the raises they're going to get over the next X amount of years. They're aware of what their retirement vehicle is going to look like without it changing. They are absolutely understanding what their benefits plan is. Uh, that is an incredible uh, journey to be on with workers. And for I feel absolutely fortunate 
uh, very humbled, and, and I absolutely respect the opportunity that I continue to be given to be in this role. And so now I serve as the Secretary Treasurer of Teamsters Local 1932. That is the principal officer. Uh, and, and I also am the Director of Organizing for Joint Council 42. Joint Council is a, is a regional body over more than 20 other local unions. And so that makes sure that we all coordinate our efforts together and that we help one another. Uh, and that, we're, that, that when one organization has a battle or situation or fight or needs resources, everybody pitches in. And then I'm also the National Director uh, for Amazon for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters out of Washington, D.C. And so the, the, I guess it's a double-edged sword. My passion for worker justice and helping so many workers organize has also led to more parts of the organization demanding my time and trying to make sure that whatever expertise that I may have there uh, needs to be shared on a larger scale so that we can help more workers achieve what these workers have that I've spoken of just now. So hopefully that does a good job of giving you an introduction on me. Uh, I don't want to talk about me all the time, uh, but I do think it's important uh, for people to recognize that journey. Uh, it's been a challenging journey. Uh, it's been a, a, a journey that uh, I feel privileged to be on, and I, I could think of no better thing to do than represent workers and help workers uh, I mean, a lot of times it's a David and Goliath situation. It's it's the underdog, and to and to know or 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 like a situation where someone's being bullied. Uh, I'm not saying they're necessarily being bullied at work, but it's like the employer has so much power that they're kind of bullying and running over everybody. And to be able to prevail in those situations is just incredible. And and I am so looking forward to telling those stories. I'm still looking forward to finding more people out there to absolutely identifying. Uh, who they may be, uh, because there's millions of them in the IE, and and agitating them into a space where they can get things done, and and you may see our billboards. We have multiple billboards all over the IE. You can see our name plastered all over buses, uh, and what we're doing is we're doing a very very assertive marketing plan over the next decade, and we're making sure that workers in the IE, which is a very working class community, this community needs to understand that they are the economic engine that you, in a lot of ways you can consider the inland empire as america's shopping cart because almost everything that goes to the into this country comes through the port of los angeles or long beach and it lands in the ie for distribution and then it gets picked back up and then goes to another part of the country and so you could very much argue that the inland empire is america's shopping cart it is where everything comes through and quite frankly i'm disgusted at the fact that corporations in this area have stepped on warehouse workers like they have 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 minimized their jobs have pushed down their uh the value of their jobs and and over the last few decades minus covid because covid there's a, a surprising silver lining in it in that covid made the average citizen recognize how important it was to have something delivered to your house it absolutely brought that to the forefront and now what we have to do is get workers to understand how powerful they are in that space and how much influence they have to make sure that that product gets there. Because quite frankly, corporate America did nothing but knock down those wages, knock down those working conditions, take away benefits and retirement vehicles from workers in that industry over the last 30 years and absolutely devalued devalued the importance of a driving job, devalued the importance of a warehouse job, devalued the importance of every job in America, including public employees or any other worker in America, basically devaluing them because they wanted a higher corporate profit. And so now you see corporations got their way and uh, we're at a certain time when workers know that they have the power, they're just not sure how to actually achieve it. They're not sure what the roadmap is or how what the what the processes are uh, for them to get there. And that is what we call worker power. We're going to talk about worker power uh, over the next few months uh, over and over again. You're going to hear me use that slogan over and over again. And we're going to define what worker power is on a large scale and a small scale. Let me give you an example. Imagine being at work 
uh, and a manager tells you to do something that is either unsafe or unhealthy or just not good or unproductive. And let's say you got 50 people in your work area, and this is a small-scale worker power example, and you got 50 people in your work area, and you all realize that whoever this manager may be or whatever policy came down is really dumb you know it's not smart and it's 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 going to negatively affect your ability to do the job or it's going to uh, affect your ability to be profitable as a worker that you have the ability to come together and say hey you know what we think you need to do it different and then imagine if in that situation let's say it's uh, they've decided uh, for you to handle the moving of boxes uh, in a way that it's unsafe now uh, imagine if you all at the beginning of your shift got together called the supervisor down and said, hey, I want you to come down to the floor. Uh, we have something we want to share with you. You hand them a petition. You have them some sort of document that states, here's what we think is wrong with the company. Here's what we think you've done wrong and what you need to do different. And we're asking you to do it different. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if you disagree with us, well, why don't we sit down right now and fix it? Uh, so that we are not exposed to the negative consequences of a bad decision. That's worker power on a small scale. Some of you may think, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, workers are doing that every day all over the IE and all over the country. As a matter of fact, they're doing it all over the world. We're seeing workers uh, to a large scale, which is the large-scale example of worker power. Those are the examples I gave you with UPS and UAW. And so worker power on a large scale, let's use UPS as an example, that platform was a perfect example of workers at UPS in solidarity coming together stating, here are our demands. You have a debt. There's a deadline for you. It is, it is July 31st. <laughs> and if you do not respond to these demands by July 31st, we're going to be reasonable. We're going to give you plenty of time to fix it. Uh, and clearly the strike was avoided because those demands were met. Uh, reasonable demands, not unreasonable demands reasonable demands. And I think it's important for us to recognize that corporate America wants us fighting with one another. They want us to say, oh, why does that UPS driver make $42 an hour? He's being greedy. He shouldn't have health care. He shouldn't have this or that store worker shouldn't have this or have that. And why do they have health care? I don't have it. Why are we falling into that trap? We should not be falling into that trap. What should we should do is go, how do I get $42 an hour? Hey, how did they get to that space? How do I have health care? And so that's a good example of large scale. And then a medium scale, let me use the San Bernardino County uh, contract that we just recently ratified for uh, more than 12,000 of our members at 1932. And so one of the biggest issues we had there was affordable health care. Uh, many employees that work for the county of San Bernardino, you may not know, pay four, five, six, seven hundred dollars a month for their health care. Everybody thinks, oh, they're a public employee. Everything's free. They're going to retire as millionaires. It's clearly not true. Uh, it's been a false narrative that's been led by uh, the, some corporate interests and some individuals that want to take money out of everybody's pocket uh, that work for public entities. And uh, it's just not, it's just simply not true. And what we did is we, we built a campaign around affordable health care four years ago. And what we've done is lowered the cost of health care to the employee. We keep telling the employer, look, as long as, if you write the check for the whole thing, you can have whatever plan you want. But, in t but as long as our members are having to pay for part of that health care, we're going to have a say-so in exactly how it impacts them. And what we did is we built a very successful uh, worker power campaign that enabled our members to have affordable health care. And on top of it, a retiree medical component so that when they retire at a decent age, because some would say, oh, well, you know, why would they get that? Well, what we hope we can do is, is encourage others to figure out how they can force their employer or ask their employer and then get their employer. Most employers can afford this stuff. It's they choose not to because the workers are not demanding them to do something different. And so, so building worker power, uh, the San Bernardino County would be an example on a medium scale, uh, but a very, very, uh, it's very satisfying to talk to workers who have now retired under those plans with cheaper health care, affordable health care that's going to take them all the way to death. Uh, I don't mean that to be morbid. I'm being very front about it. We have to be very straight about this, that affordable health care should be 
you should be taking care of in your healthcare all the way till you die. Um, you know, just saying, oh, once I'm, once you're gone, let's say you work somewhere 30, 35 years, it's not my responsibility anymore. You give 30, 35 years of your life to an organization, they can chip in on what happens afterwards. Come on. Like, let's be reasonable here, especially with the uh, amount of extra money that's in the economy that needs to be handled properly. And so I think it's really important uh, for us to continue to talk about the plan to win. Uh, what does that mean, the plan to win worker power? Uh, and, and constantly uh, what we're going to do is, is, is spend time in each show uh, definitely wor working or, excuse me, walking through what those plans to win are and making sure that worker power is something that becomes uh, a phrase. I would, I would love someday that that word worker power uh, is, it resonates as a phrase that all working people in the IE understand what that means, and that is that the corp I'm not going to be working under the corporation's thumb. Uh, and, that, and that, look, we don't want to be unreasonable. I think the corporations over the last few decades have been unreasonable, and I'll just give you this quick bit of history that a lot of people have enjoyed uh, when I explain it this way. Corporations have had their way since 1776, and this country was formed giving corporations the right to own people. We know that that is wrong, but they had the right to not only own people for a very long period of time, they also fought every law and every regulation to make it better for working people. And more than a hundred and some years later, finally the chains were freed and the corporations still didn't want to pay. They still didn't want to do anything. So the next journey of a hundred years, uh, you could really see how corporations just don't want to pay for labor. It's just kind of ingrained in us. And I think it's important for, for working people to understand this history and recognize that corporations never asked for a holiday, never asked for safety on the job. As a matter of fact, they fought every bit of it and said it was going to be the end of the world if anything passed. They were wrong every step of the way, and they're going to be wrong going forward. And so we're going to, we're going to use this platform to explain to working people how powerful they could be and how they can push back on those at corporate greed. And so what we want to close all of our shows on is what can you do to build worker power? And the question will be uh, each show at the end of the show, uh, what, you, what can you do to build worker power? And you know, what does that mean when you talk to a coworker? What does that mean when you talk to your neighbor? What does that mean when you talk to your family members? And how do we uh, continue to help one another build worker power? In a society where we're, we're, we're kind of being pit against one another to fight one another, that, whether it's the, what those divides are usually done for corporate, uh, corporations to profit. Somehow someone at the top is benefiting from us fighting from one another or fighting one another. But if we are talking to our coworkers, talking to our neighbors, talking to our family and explaining how to build worker power, guess what? The corporations don't win in that space. Workers do. We do. And we make sure that we uh, can set the tone and be fair. No one wants to put a company out of business. But why are you putting me out of business when I retire? Why are you putting me out of business if I get if my health uh, falls to the wayside and I can't afford good health care? Why are you putting my family out of business uh, and not providing good health care for my entire family when I work really hard? My reason for bringing up we don't want to put companies out of business is this narrative, this villainization of unions, of putting companies out of business is false, is completely untrue. And we're going to spend uh, all the time uh, that we can in the next months or years, however popular this show may get or be or whatever, however long we run it, explaining that that villainization and that narrative is completely wrong. And we're going to give everybody uh, the solutions and the answers and the, uh, the, the pathway, the, the, the recipe, as you may say, for uh, how to build worker power. Uh, I hope that uh, everybody has enjoyed uh, today's show. Uh, I know that uh, we have a ton of, 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 of topics here uh, in the next 
few months uh, that we're going to cover, you know, corporate, corporate America's anti-union messaging, uh, you know, minimum wage issues, a number of things that you, uh, you may not realize has been corporate America's narrative uh, to kind of beat workers down over a long period of time uh, and make them villainize unions. Uh, you know, unions, you know, it's not like you learn this in school. You're not taught this in high school. Uh, you're, you're taught about how roaring the 20s were, but there was women and child labor at the same time. And it's, there's always this discussion about how successful corporations are, uh, but there's not a lot of discussion about how successful workers can be. And that's because corporations want to absolutely smash uh, the power of working people. They want to villainize anybody at the voice of that. They want to villainize workers that are standing up and demanding some sort of balance and change. And what we are going to do is we're going to help be a platform and a mouthpiece for that. And we also want to hear from you. Uh, we want you to uh, please email me at randycorgan.com or teamsters1932.org. Uh, uh, make sure you can call in 909-792-5222, uh, uh, which is 909-792-KCAA, uh, toll-free 888-909-1050. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, I'm excited about what the next few months are going to lead to. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, spending uh, this uh, hour with you. Uh, this is Randy Corgan, longtime organizer, first-time radio host, signing off. KCAA Loma Linda. The legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Lisa Taylor. A report says the U.S. and Israel are discussing a three-day pause in the war against Hamas. NBC News says Qatar is also